Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Hey there, today we're talking with Jeroen Korkout with Salesflare. Jeroen and the Salesflare team have built a new CRM that does a lot more automation than most of the CRMs out there in the market. Click subscribe, leave a review, check out our sponsors. Enjoy today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Full Stack PEO. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. Welcome to the show. Today, we're chatting with Jeroen Kortout, who is the co-founder of Salesflare. Jeroen, welcome. Thank you. Why don't we start with a quick overview of Salesflare? Uh, Salesflare is an um, easy-to-use uh, B2B sales CRM. It's mostly used by currently agencies, marketing and software development agencies, and um, other smaller companies, startups, a lot of them in the software-as-a-service industry. And what distinguishes it from other uh, CRMs is that it requires way less manual work we started Salesflare off with the sort of um, frustration that many other CRMs were taking a lot of, it was a lot of time to update. And we figured like, why are we actually updating this manually? Because all of the other data uh, is already somewhere. It's already in our emails. It's already in our calendar. It's already in our phone. And we don't need to put it in two different systems. Uh, and that's when we created Salesflare that, that's, sort of dynamically and automatically gathers it all together for you. Give me a little bit of the background about why uh, you decided to, to start Salesflare. Was this, a, was this pain that you felt yourself? Were you running an agency? Uh, I actually have been working in an agency for about four years using Salesforce. And I never really understood uh, the practical use for me. I understood that was valuable for, for the company for the CEO to see numbers and stuff. But for me, it wasn't really like a handy sales tool. I, I actually really tried. I even tried to use their task system and logging things in there, but it just, it kept me away from doing actual sales. And then when I was, I was having different startup projects and the latest one at that moment, I was working uh, with my current co-founder, helping him on the sales and marketing of his company which was a software company. And we, we went to a big conference and we had a lot of leads and we looked for a better way to follow them up. And I knew that Salesforce certainly wasn't going to solve it. We looked at uh, smaller sales CRMs, like uh, current competitors of ours. And we didn't really find anything there either that we found significantly better because they were all still manual data input systems. A bit a bit easier to use, so that was cool, but, but not... Uh, not something we saw ourselves filling out. And that's when we when we came up with the idea for Salesflare. Uh, initially, there was also a lot of um, focus on integrating tracking 
so what we got really excited about as well is that you could uh, have this integrated tracking system that as, as it pulls the emails, you can link emails to email opens and clicks and then link that to website visits as well uh, so that you automatically map the whole um, set of customer touch points with a customer uh, without you having to do anything. And additionally, one of the, the things we started off from is that we wanted to have that fully integrated into the mailbox. So actually, our very first version of Salesforce was just an email plugin. There was no uh, sort of full screen desktop application. Uh, it all started from your Outlook or Gmail inbox. And that's maybe a good transition. When was that? And then maybe paint a picture of growth uh, since that time period, share any sort of kind of current stats for the company. Yeah, that was in uh, 2014. I think we got our first customer in 2015. Then we grew to about 20, 30 before really launching online in 2016. Uh, and currently, we're at about uh, a, few, a few thousand active companies using Salesforce. Got it. Any other kind of vanity metrics you could share around kind of current team size and, and anything else to paint a picture of where the company is? Uh, our, our, our team size is actually pretty small. So we serve all these customers with just seven people. Good for you. Of which, uh, let's say, four are focusing on development and then uh, three on the on supporting the customers and, and creating content and all this kind of stuff. Other vanity metrics, we are the the most upvoted CRM on Product Hunt, if you would go look. Nice. Really Congrats. well scored on things like G2 and Captera, where we are uh, like a very small company and team. Uh, we still score pretty well on all the on all the different sites. Uh, we have very happy customers. I think the the MPS scores are currently at at fifty or sixty. Uh, so that means that there's um, if you if you take the the overall group of customers and you see the percentages of those scores nine or ten and sub- subtract the ones that uh, score uh, one to six. Uh, uh, fifty to sixty percent remains a very um, nice result, but this is uh, this is something that uh, has been building up over over years. I must say, because our very first version was a uh, uh, not at all like that. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm curious. I mean, so the CRM space. I, I would normally now transition by asking you uh, when you think of competitors for Salesflare, who comes to mind? But I think. I, I think everybody knows competitors in CRM, which, you know, begs the question, right? Like, and you already went into a little bit about why you guys um, thought to kind of build your own and you thought there might be competitive space here. But I'm really curious, as you look at the CRM landscape, do you see, because, you know, there are very, very big competitors and then, then there's a, a number of smaller mid-sized competitors. Do you see anybody else starting to do what you're doing in terms of the level of automation and data collection? Or are you still kind of one of the early ones in, in that space with that kind of focus? I think everyone needs to focus on it more and more. And you see most products evolving towards more and more automation. The way we do it, I don't think anyone else is really doing it because for us, it's not just like... Uh, having a manual system in which you then sort of build integrations that pull in some data automatically. 
we've built it the other way around. We, we thought about how can this be a fully automated system and what parts still need to be manual. It's, uh, let's say, the order in which you do things in Salesflare does not matter for the automation, uh, firstly. Uh, secondly, many of the, the things that it pulls in are, are offered to you as suggestions, and you can then uh, choose to accept those or not. Uh, and, and, and it works generally like that, while the classic way of building a CRM system is still uh, very much thinking of uh, manual data input first. But definitely the whole market is, is, is going that way. And I think we still have a nice advantage whether the, the, the customers always see it very clearly is the question. Some do, some don't. And if you look at the, the total landscape, so very, very simplistic. There's the, the large companies and the smaller companies. The large ones naturally need an enterprise CRM at some point. Uh, and that the space in which this changes is somewhere around, uh, depending on how uh, how they think about stuff, but from uh, 50 to 500 employees or something, they need to be on an enterprise CRM because the CRM is not so much seen as a practical sales tool anymore at that point. It's seen as a single point of record in which everything needs to happen for all departments and we're in which all the flows also then need to be built in a custom way. So then you end up with something like Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics or SAP or whatever. But then below the, the enterprise CRM space, the end user becomes more and more important because their CRM is actually a sales tool. It's a way to get more sales. I'm sure that in the enterprise space, they also think about it that way a bit, but it's not the focus. Uh, while for the smaller companies, it's definitely the focus. And the way historically this has been branded then was a, it's called a sales CRM to make clear that it's a CRM focused on the sales aspect. Now, this has been then also expanding a bit towards marketing and other stuff. But, but still still called often like that. And uh, the main competitors we have in that space are currently HubSpot and Pipedrive. That's the two companies we get compared to most apart from Salesforce. Because actually a lot of our larger customers somehow always compare us to Salesforce and not these two others. Can you walk me through... So I am a sometimes salesperson. Walk me through what my user experience would be using your product. I, in particular, I'm kind of interested in what some of like the examples for what suggestions look like and things like that. What do I actually experience when I start using your product? Currently, when you when you start using our product on the site, you might uh, come into one of the two versions because we're experimenting. So the one version, you get asked to connect your emails first. And then you get a walkthrough of Salesflare. The other version, you get a walkthrough of Salesflare. And when you like it, then at the end, you can connect your emails. From the moment you connect your emails, uh, Salesflare will start going through it, seeing who you've emailed with, and will start creating contacts for the, the people you emailed. Then it will pull more information about these contacts as well from publicly available information like uh, social media, it will pull uh, pictures and positions and social profiles, etc. And it will also go in your mailbox 
looking for email signatures, where then we'll find things like phone numbers and positions as well and addresses and stuff. So it starts automatically uh, creating a list of my contacts, it's called in the application. And then these contacts, from these, you can very easily uh, create accounts, so companies. Uh, so you can say, create an account with this contact. And then it will automatically see what the email address is. Based on that, it will uh, identify the company. And then also, similarly, uh, like, like on contacts, pull in extra information about the, the company, like the company size and the logo and where they're located, address, phone number, uh, email address, perhaps general email address. So that's that's where most people start. Then as you connect your calendar, it will pull in meetings as well. So when you create an account, like a, a company in the, in the software, it will show you a timeline with all the emails you've, you've exchanged with the contacts at that company and the meetings you've had. And that's just live. In, when, when you integrate with either Gmail or Office 365, it's really like it's immediately there. Uh, for others, it, it takes a bit to sync. And then it will start also filling your suggested task list based on that. So it will say like, you just had this meeting, but you didn't add notes yet. Uh, don't forget to reply to this email because we see it's a, it's a customer of yours and you haven't replied yet. Or uh, you haven't uh, talked to this customer for 10 days, for instance. Maybe it's good to, to pick that up. And so, so some of those, are those rules that you guys just have set up by default and then I can edit those? Is that just, is, is that something I define uh, up front? Is that something that you see how often my cadence is reaching out to past clients and, and you're, you're learning that along the way to, and, and that, then helping reinforce that? How does all that stuff work? The, the part about your follow being inactive, that's uh, these three suggested types of suggested tasks that I talked about are all uh, on by default and uh, it's not something you need to set up. For the inactivity task, you can set the amount of days if you want. And you can even set this per uh, stage in the pipeline if you like. So you can be more okay. specific and see, say like, if, uh, if I made a proposal to this company, I want to follow them up every, uh, let's say, five days. And when uh, I've uh, won the opportunity, I still want to follow them up every, every, every 60 days, for instance. That's all customizable. Got it. Uh, all right. Keep going. Sorry. So then I'm just I'm assuming then from that point I'm I'm just working with that contact on a on a deal just like any other CRM I'm working them through a pipeline and uh updating win percentages and things like that along the way is that is that correct? Yeah, the yeah, you just uh the, it's it's all, one of the only things you you do manually is updating the stage of the opportunity. So you you just drag and drop it from the one stage to the next one and it helps you to organize like where things are at, the rest will will happen for you automatically. Like it will automatically keep track of the the timeline of all the the emails, meetings, calls, uh, the tracking on these things. Uh, any any suggested tasks? Obviously, you can you can add uh, manual tasks as well. And when you meet new people at the company, it will also suggest them to you on the on the account. It will say like there here's a few suggested contacts and. With one click, you can then accept or reject these suggestions. So one of the things that's 
really interesting about that. So by the way, thank you. That that's a that is very tactical. I I feel like I I kind of know what you guys do now. So one of the things that occurs to me is that if you're capturing all that information automatically versus me putting that stuff in manually cuz I I'm I'm no different than every other salesperson. I suck at doing follow-up and taking notes and in updating status and all that kind of stuff, right? Like like that's no that's I'm not unique and that's no mystery. So the the fact that you're doing all that stuff automatically in my mind means that the data on the other side of that if I'm a sales manager trying to or, or even just a salesperson looking at my own success, right? Like so on which accounts was I successful, on which ones did I fail? Like if you're capturing every single touch that happens automatically without me having to go in and track that myself, like I'm assuming I can start to see things like when I email after, you know, if I send an email within X time after a, a meeting as as a follow-up, I'm X percent more likely to close a deal. Or when I know three people at a at an account instead of just one person, I'm X percent more likely to close a deal. Or do you guys have access to any sort of dashboards or metrics like that that I can quickly see like what is leading to my success as a salesperson? There's definitely dashboards in the software that show you um, your expected revenue and and how much contact you've had with uh, with companies and which deals are probably slipping and stuff like that. These kind of, let's say, conclusions based on data, not yet, no. But uh, it, it, it is interesting indeed. Uh, this is sort of uh, correlations we could start looking at for you. Of course, it does require that you've been using software for a bit uh, because we, we wouldn't be able to to conclude this based on a week's data, but uh, that that could in, in indeed be cool because we have way more data than in many other CRMs because of the automated aspect. It's right. actually what, what you said is correct. On a on a on a, a personal user level, many people choose our software to follow up their leads better. So that would be the the, the main thing they tell you. What is your your value? For I, what value does Salesforce bring you is following up leads. And if you look on a, on a sales manager perspective, then it's most often the sort of the transparency, the accountability, uh, the visibility it brings in the team. Uh, just the fact that they, it, it's not a black box anymore. They can see it all. Uh, they can coach the salespeople correctly. They can make sure that things don't slip because also on the, the team level, they, they have the, the proper overview. Nice. So, Jeroen, do you guys have any swag that you hand out at Salesflare, either to uh, employees or key customers? Not much right now. We are definitely planning to do it more after the corona crisis, I think. Right on. What do you think you'll be handing out? What would be your swag of choice? No idea. Uh, what we currently have is things like uh, hoodies and t-shirts. Uh, maybe we make some cups or something. I have no idea. Hoodies and t-shirts are classic, man. Stick with it. It's good. So uh, one of our sponsors for the podcast is Fuel Merchandise Group. You can find them at fuelmerchandise.com. They can help you get your branded products out into the market. If you mention startup competitors, you can get 10% off your first order. Cool. When you think about product market fit, do you guys have it? <laughs> That's the uh, uh, never-ending question. I would say uh, yes to a certain extent. 
I, I don't think it's a binary thing and I always want to improve it. But yes, I mean, customers are happy. We know which segments where it works. It just could be better still in the sense that it could be even easier uh, for us to convince people to use Salesforce. What does, I guess, what does customer acquisition look like for you guys? Are you doing traditional sales yourself? Is it all market, like marketing led from a sales perspective? Talk to me a little bit about how you guys go to market and acquire customers. Yeah, it's it's largely marketing led. We do almost no or no uh, sales in well, not not at least in the in the sense of a business development. Currently, we started doing a bit more uh, sales follow up of the larger prospects. But I'll, but I'll start from the start. So most of our leads come from uh, word of mouth. That means they've been looking for Salesflare in Google mostly, and then they found us in some list somewhere or on a review site. Or in the other case, they've uh, they've had a recommendation from someone else uh, that said that they should look at Salesforce for their sales. They go on a trial. Now there's, there's two versions currently with the, either seeing the, um, the software first and then connecting your emails or the other way around. And then basically um, what we're going to launch uh, tomorrow or the day after is a setup guide that will give you a variable amount of trial days. Uh, so basically, there is a, a set of steps you can go through to set up Salesforce. Uh, and for each step you complete, you get extra trial days. You'll start off with seven trial days. Uh, and as you complete things, I think you can get to 30. And if you have, if you invite other colleagues and they do some things, you can even have more trial days. During that process, uh, when certain things happen, uh, we get in touch with you. This is via uh, chats, uh, if, if it's the personal help uh, but there's also emails that sort of uh, tell you like okay you haven't installed a mobile app yet maybe you should install the mobile app uh, simple things like that and this is all depending on your your usage if you sign up with a company email address i will automatically send the uh, LinkedIn connection requests. Um, this is an an extra sort of touch point next to the traditional chat and email uh, touch points, just to show that we uh, we actually provide really personal support to everyone. Uh, if you then later get in touch on the on the intercom chat, we have intercom integrated. Um, then uh, it's it's as personal as chatting with me on LinkedIn, but but I'm also that there on LinkedIn always to to discuss anything, as long as it doesn't get into technical support. And then at the end of the trial, we'll follow up with you whether everything is going well, and then you um, you can sign up with your credit card, and then things continue like before um, with. Uh, Follow-ups, I think every three months we do. Uh, we see whether everything is going well and we're always there to, to answer any questions. So it's it's largely a, a self-serve model where we are always there to help. Nice. I'm My instincts are to ask questions on conversion rates through that funnel, but you certainly don't have to an, a, answer that. Are, are you willing to, to talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure, yeah. 
Awesome. Uh, so walk me through like at, at which point, I guess, in your experiences, you think about that onboarding funnel from they've landed on the site, I'd maybe at high level numbers, these can be, you know, rounded off if you need to, but like how many of those then would maybe sign up for a trial and then how many of those trials convert. And I, I think, man, I'd love your learnings over the last, you know, you've been, been at this for five years now. Like what are some of the big like tweaks that you've made to that process over the last five years that have really made that hum? Yeah, the, the the website conversion is is largely dependent on where they come from, and and that's it's not really like you can uh, you can uh, have uh, one number there. What is what is more relevant, I think, is from the moment they then actually decide to start a trial, what happens then, uh, and I would say it's uh, about forty percent. Yeah, if you know. 40%. Yeah, 40% uh, does more than looking around because a lot of people looking for CRMs, they, they start from the very high level sort of looking at different websites. First, they look at lists, different lists. And then from these lists, they will distill uh, the ones they want to look at. Then they look at the websites to then uh, see which ones they would like to dig in deeper and start a trial. And then they start trials, but even then they're not really like looking to have an actual experience. It's just uh, looking at the interfaces of different products. 60% of the trials we get are just people looking at the interface. They don't do anything. Uh, so they don't track any customer, not even one. And then uh, 40% actually do use the trial. Of these 40%, 40% uh, does it seriously, like they they go in and create a significant amount of uh, customers. Uh, so you're at 16% at that point. And then more than half of those ending up with about 10% uh, subscribe to our software. Uh, that's how it looks currently with the, um, the setup guides that I described earlier. I hope to change these first numbers it's 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 focused on activating more people but also it has or it should have effects downstream as well because what we see in data is that when people the more actively people use a trial the more likely they are to convert but also the more likely they are to stay with us in the long term it has a, a significant effect on churn as well now what we did for this initial sort of um can i can i unpack that for a second does that mean yeah. so when you say that you mean versus if i just showed up on your website literally just swiped the credit card and went just skipped my trial i'm less likely to be a long-term customer i'm more likely to turn off Definitely. than somebody who went through the trial and that okay interesting yeah yeah when people immediately sign up i i would in the past consider them successes uh, but when I look at it now, uh, most of these people have gone already. So, when did you discover that? Uh, last year, or the year before, I did. Um, I often go into data and start calculating correlations, and uh, that was a very clear one. It was based on usage of features uh, during the trial, pulling out data like that, and then comparing that with uh, whether they signed up. Uh, 
And then whether they sign up or, 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 and we're still paying after a certain period or not paying anymore. And then, uh, yeah, the effect was, was pretty big there. Interesting. All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Thank, thanks yeah. for that clarification. And the other thing I wanted to say is um, because so many people are just looking around, that's why we built this walkthrough initially. When you sign up for a trial, you can see it. Uh, there's a, a walkthrough of Salesforce first, which shows you through the main functionality, but also shows you sort of the aha moments where it shows what we do uh, different than in other CRMs. Uh, because at least then, we can show that to people, even if they don't do the effort themselves to start tracking customers. We sort of make sure they get the, the essential demo. So. Do you have a feel for what percentage of your customers are coming from another CRM versus you are the first CRM that they've chosen? Uh, most of them, I don't know, 60, 70%, I would say, come from another CRM. It doesn't happen too often. Well, yeah, it might, might even be more. They often go through different stages in the sense that they might have started from Excel, then briefly tried a CRM and didn't like it. Uh, often Salesforce is somewhere involved there and then, uh, and then come to us. Uh, Salesforce might be involved in between the Excel and us. Or it might be involved in a previous company, like, oh, I used Salesforce before and it was horrible uh, kind of style. Yeah. So then what's the migration process look like if I have a bunch of data in an old CRM that I need to get imported? Exactly like you said it, you uh, import it. So you okay. export it uh, out of the other system and import it. All right. So no, it's just a C CSV or whatever. There's no no specific thing I need to do there. Uh, no, it's just with a CSV right now. What I always uh, recommend people to do is to uh, clean that up before they import it because, well, it's usually there's a lot of garbage in there. And it's like like when you're moving houses, it makes sense that at that moment, take a little <laughs> bit of time and uh, throw some stuff away before you move it over. I like that analogy. <laughs> it, it helps to frame it for people because otherwise they, they don't. They don't like to take the time. They're just like, I want to get this over with. Take the data, put in the data. Uh, but it's good if they at least take a little bit of time to say, okay, maybe this is not relevant anymore and this, uh, this is a bit dirty. There's also an issue with data that comes from certain CRM systems because some systems make it so easy to input data uh, and don't properly validate what's, what's being put in. We get things like, phone numbers in an email address field or or the other way around like companies that exist multiple times and uh, once the deal is linked to the contacts that is then not linked to the company and sometimes it isn't uh, very complex things which don't make any sense uh, that we then also need to make sure that the, that gets solved before it uh, it gets in our system because the the thing is because of all the automation we need to make sure that an email address is an email address and a phone number is a phone number and stuff because otherwise we cannot link these things to each other. So in the import process, sometimes that still needs to be fixed. Switch gears. Talk to me a little bit about the future. What do you think is next for Salesflare and, and or uh, are there any trends that you guys are tracking and, and following as, as you chart that kind of product roadmap? Yeah. 
Currently, we're working on a few uh, bigger features that will uh, make Salesforce more interesting for for slightly larger companies, not really large ones, but to to give the bigger teams on our software more what they deserve. Uh, so it's things like custom dashboards and permissions and stuff. We've just the last feature release was uh, email workflows, which allows you to send flows of emails. This can be email sequences, but these can also be sort of trip flows in quite a flexible but still simple way within the software. And that's a system that we build in such a way that it can expand to other types of interactions and actions in general as well. So that's why we call it email workflows and not like email sequences or something, because it's built to be a, a real workflow system. So probably one of the first things we'll add is the, the possibility to uh, create a task, for instance, within the flow. We can add some more uh, triggers on the steps themselves within the flows, things like that. Working, working in more of that sort of automation is probably one of the things we'll do. Uh, then we're always looking, uh, based on the data we have, to uh, create more automation. We're always looking to make the, the user experience flows better in the software. Something we're, we're constantly working on. About one third of our development time is also spent on uh, onboarding improvements. That's why you're uh, hearing this kind of, the, like the experiments I said before, yeah. the setup guide, or uh, that's really something we certainly recently have, have, have started spending even more time on. And then another thing we're looking to do is adding more features for SaaS companies. This is because we have a, a significant amount of SaaS companies and they can have some more specific features as well. Where many other other um, parts of our customer base don't really need very specific things for SaaS companies, that's different. So, can you give me some examples of the types of things a SaaS company might need that, and for example, an agency wouldn't. Yeah, it's 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 mostly around prioritizing and timing follow up well based on the engagement and the the revenue metrics that a certain customer has with your product to summarize it. Got it. Perfect. All right. If uh, folks want to get in touch with you directly, or if they want to learn more about Salesflare, where's the best way for them to do that? Uh, for Salesflare, it's uh, salesflare.com. And to get in touch with me, the best thing is LinkedIn. Um, I do recommend to include a message because otherwise I have no idea where you're coming from. Uh, <laughs> And there's many people sending uh, LinkedIn requests every day. So, uh, so if you just mention on uh, in the LinkedIn request that you've heard me on this podcast, uh, then I will uh, certainly accept and we can chat. Awesome, you're in. Thank you so much, man. Uh, I am definitely going to check out the product, and I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me about what you guys have been working on. Cool. Thank you. If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.